What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, good to be back. Yeah. Been about 10 days or so right. since we've been on this, uh, what do we call this thing now? It's a podcast. Podcast, sure, sure. Uh, things are going pretty well. I've been, as you know, I work downtown, and... It's a big event going on pretty soon. Really, it's kind of, actually can't, kind of cool to see. Can't really think of any uh, anything that's going on other than you know. There's a lot of Hawks games, obviously. Um, Good point. Braves aren't downtown anymore. Falcon season is over. Uh, United season is over as well. So I don't really see what the big deal is downtown unless there's some huge concert or something. Well, there's going to be a shit ton of concerts, oh. but they all are before this little thing called the Super Bowl. Oh, that that right. That, that's sort of been out of my uh, out of my mind since I knew the Falcons going to get there. It's not, it doesn't even exist to me. That's fair. You that's know? fair. And I I'm, I only I only see it because I'm physically forced to. I don't. Is it depressing? Nah, it's kind of exciting. Okay. Yeah, a lot of a lot of hubbub going around. Sure. Um, they wrapped the Ferris wheel with all the 32 different um, team helmets, which is kind of oh. cool. That's nice. Yeah. So there's a Falcons helmet up there somewhere. Somewhere. I would assume. Lost in the shuffle. Yeah. People are just going to be looking for the damn Patriots helmet. Yeah. Do you feel like, I mean, I kind of feel like this is uh, sort of Tom Brady's victory lap. Belichick's victory lap. You think they retire if they win? No. But I think this is like, I don't know if I'm going to say the Super Bowl for them will be easy because I think the Rams are going to give them a game. But, I mean, like in terms of all the opponents they've had to play in the history of, you know, them going to the Super Bowl. (laughs) Rams team, I don't know. I just don't feel like they're battle-tested enough to really go out there and do anything in this game of significance. They're going to get out-coached, out-play. I don't know. Maybe I'm just speaking bullshit. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. It just it just doesn't feel like anyone's given them a, ch- a chance in hell. I was talking to some, I can't remember who, some jackass probably, uh, was talking about the Patriots, and he doesn't like them, but he's like, at this point, they're so great, you might as well just like cheer for greatness. So I, that, I hate that shit. So that... You're like, well, at least I was around to see the best ever run. We've already seen that, though. I don't need to see another example of that. That's like saying, you know, I took a shit five minutes ago. Let me take a laxative and take another shit. You know, it's like you've already done it. You don't need to take any more shits. But, you know, like 20 years down the road, you look back and one more Super Bowl does look better. It does look better. Yeah. And and to to go back to my metaphor, your bowels will be a little more cleansed if you had that second shit. So, I mean, I get it. It's just like... How much of this can we take if you're not a New England fan or a football historian who's just in love with this shit? Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. Did you, did you hear about ticket prices going down so I, much? I heard they're at like 2000 bucks now. Which is cheap for a Super Bowl. I would love to buy one of those and then sell it for like 4000 What? But if the market's going down, how's that going to work? Right? But maybe the market will correct itself when the game gets closer to uh, kickoff. Or, or maybe they'll decide to replay the Saints game. Oh, and then you have one of these $2,000 tickets that would instantly jack up to like five. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Maybe if um, that loser congressman who wants to have Roger Goodell come testify in front of some committee uh, can get him to come and they can they can switch the outcome of the game, maybe, maybe that would work. Is that really something we're worried about during a government shutdown? That's a great question. Um, Thanks, Graham. And the answer is no. Well, got, apparently it is. Well, you got million. Yeah, for some idiots out there, the minority, you got millions of people out there who can't earn a living because of the fucking government, and now you have a congressman dedicating his time and his money, where he's funded by the taxpayers, which I'm, I assume he's still getting paid, unlike you know the regular the regular man, and uh, you're having him go out there and say, "I think this is important enough to spend tax dollar money on to rectify a fucking football game game's outcome." That's ridiculous. I mean, we get it, Saints. We've been through some shit in yeah, our day. Yeah, you know? I have two I words to say to Saints fans, players. Infield fly? Um, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, but no. Uh, all these people, anyone who thinks they were wronged and they deserve some sort of compensation, whether it be monetary, um, you know, any sort of legal stuff, whatever, or you want the game to be replayed, I have two words for you. Fuck you. Mm. Fuck you. Okay. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. So. Because 
I can think of two things off the top of my head right now where I could say the same damn thing. Falcons in the 2013 NFC Championship game when we had blown the 17 to nothing halftime lead. Driving down the field, trying to win the game. Matt Ryan throws the ball to Roddy White over the middle of the field. Navarro Bowman is holding him from the moment he comes off the line of scrimmage. Is clearly interfering with any ability he has to catch the football. No flag is called. That should have been a first down. We should have had first and goal at like the 10, 5-yard line or whatever it was. And we would have been in a great position to get the last second touchdown and go to the Super Bowl in New Orleans and play in New Orleans. And but, but we didn't. Did we cry about it, though? We cried about it, but we didn't demand legal action or say that we've suffered you know, such emotional damage to the point where we can't go on with our lives like a bunch of fucking drunk, inbred, penal colony losers. I don't, I don't, I think it's just 2019 for you, Graham. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And I got another one for you. Just last year against the Eagles, Julio Jones trying to make that last catch. He gets literally tackled to the ground and then tries to come up and try to catch the football. Yeah. That should have been pass interference. Was it pass interference? No. Did we, Get upset about it? Yes. Were, were, did, we, did we say the game should be replayed from that moment on? No. Did we say, yeah, maybe it could have been a different outcome? Sure. But you know what? If you really want to look at it, the Saints blew that game in the first half and they were dominating 13 to nothing. And they had tons of chances to put the Rams away and they didn't. So, yeah, that was a horrible call. No one's going to tell you any different. The guy who made the play would tell you, yeah, that was, that was P.I. I was trying to prevent a touchdown. But this reaction is such horseshit. That they are actually people are suing the NFL, and then a congressman, a little congressman from Louisiana, is demanding Roger Goodell go testify in front of this committee or whatever the fuck. It is childish, immature, and it's just a sad commentary on uh, the state of Louisiana, Saints fans, the entire organization. They should go fuck themselves because there are a lot more, there are a lot, there are a lot bigger issues going on today that need attention from the fucking government, and it's not your goddamn football team and your sorry loser city. It's, it's, it's really upsetting me, getting to the point where they're literally complaining about this when millions of people are not getting paid right now for doing their jobs. Bullshit. Take a look in the fucking mirror. And you're not the first team to have ever undergone something like this. Fuck you. So we're not removing that explicit tag this week, huh? No. This has got me hot and bothered. Like, I was upset about it. I was kind of laughing at it because I was like, oh, Saints fans are such, you know, wimps. But now that they're, that this congressman is trying to get involved... Well, who's this congressman? I haven't even heard that. So this, so this guy's name is uh, Cedric Richmond, the Honorable Representative Cedric Richmond. I think Honorable only comes with judges. This is directly from his Twitter. I joined the countless individuals in the disappointment over Sunday's NFC Championship game, and I'm eager to hear from the NFL commission directly. All teams deserve equal tre- treatment, and the Saints were cruelly denied fair treatment. Calls are missed. I have since spoken with colleagues in the Judiciary Antitrust Subcommittee about inviting NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell to answer some important questions about the unfair call against the Saints, a call that he has the jurisdiction to overturn. I stand with Saints owner, yada, 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 urgency and significance of having this issue addressed so it does not happen again. Saints got the short end of the stick, and I am proud to witness the strength of the franchise and the unnerving support of Houdat Nation. I look forward to conveying these views to Mr. Goodell soon. He's a loser. The strength of Houdat Nation takes strength to really... Uh, complain? Complain and sue the, the, the fucking commissioner of the NFL who's not going to hear you. But in front of a committee? Why, why, Get the fuck out of here. Why hasn't Goodell said anything, though? I think he's just trying to let this die down. It's bad press for the NFL. They're obviously probably going to look at this for a long time and try to figure out... What are we going to do about pass interference penalties? Are we going to start reviewing them? How is that going to work? Are you going to have an overseer referee sitting up in the in the uh, you know the, the the booth looking at every play, saying I have the authority to overturn a call? Are you going to give coaches the ability to challenge penalties now? I don't know. Something's going to happen because of this because it was a pretty egregious call. But let's not act like this is the first time anything like this has ever happened before. People no. are blowing this way out of proportion. Yeah, no, it happens all the damn time. It's, it's not something but unique. What it is and. We were discussing this earlier this week. This doesn't equate to the Super Bowl, but the Saints' last two postseason losses, if you'll recall, the two years ago was when they were playing the Vikings. That was last year. Well, now it's two years ago, two seasons ago for them. Yes. You know what I mean. 
Right. Last season. One season ago. Yes, not the season they just lost, but the right. season prior to yes. the season right. they just lost. Um, a few seasons ago. No. It was literally <laughs> last season, 2018. Um, they lost the playoff game in Minnesota that they had won, and then there was the miracle Hail Mary that the safety, he just fell down, right? He was going for the big play and just missed the, yeah. missed the receiver. And missed missed uh, Stefan Diggs. Yeah. And they scored a touchdown when they had no business in doing so. So, I mean, that is brutal. Yeah. And they were good that year, too. Yeah. And then to lose like this this year as well, the back-to-back, that's kind of tough. Equally man. sucks in the NFC Championship game. I understand. Like, look, look, we're from Atlanta. We get it. Yeah. And you know what? I don't feel sorry for the Saints. Oh, I hate no. them. But I understand where they're coming what, from. What I'm going to say. But Jesus Christ, they're taking it too far. Is this, this Saints... Falcons rivalry continues to get just more heated. Oh yeah, like we hate each other. Oh yeah, this legitimate hate. Yeah, with a passion. There's yeah. the, the whole billboard thing that's going on, and do you hear there's some guy uh, from Atlanta doing a GoFundMe that he wants Atlanta sports fans to contribute to, so he can put up a bunch of uh, billboards over in New Orleans say, saying "Blue Dat." Oh, I will contribute. Please. <laughs> I think we'll we'll get that information. We'll put it on the Twitter. Uh, I think we we got to make a contribution. Yeah. There. Um, but yeah, it's uh pretty heated. But we dodged a bullet because thank God the Saints aren't coming to Atlanta. Oh, man, I gotta tell you something. When uh, Drew Brees, I was getting the sense that he was going to throw a pick because a lot of balls were bad. He should have thrown a pick like two or three times in that game, especially down the stretch. I was like, this feels like I smell a Drew Brees pick coming. This just feels like him not being on his ship. Um, when he so normally is, and when he isn't, it really stands out. So I, I kind of have this like sixth sense about about when he's gonna fuck up. And when that interception happened, I literally stood up off the couch and screamed to the to the ceiling. I was like, "Yeah!" Like the Falcons had just picked him yeah. off. I had never reacted like that in an NFL game when it wasn't the Falcons doing something good. Like it was, I was surprised. I was taken aback. Well, you reacted the opposite of it two Sundays ago when the Saints beat the Eagles. Oh, yeah, I was. I don't even remember what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was devastated. Yeah, you were uh, you were upset, like the Falcons had just lost. Right. So, I mean, that, I think that just goes to show this rivalry and yeah, and how heated it's gotten, especially with them having to come here. And not know? to look too far ahead already, but I think it's more fun for us than talking about the matchup in the Super Bowl. Um, NFC South is going to look, I think, a little more winnable next year than it was this year. Um. Because you got, I mean, the Bucks have their new head coach. They might be better with Arians. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Bruce Arians coming to be the head coach now. Um, but then Cam Newton's got this whole shoulder thing going on. Yeah, they might shut him down. He might, yeah, not play at all. I know he had surgery the other day, and now they're saying he should be back. But it's not a given. And then the Saints, I mean, Drew Brees has looked choppy. Well, you know what was funny? I He's not throwing those deep balls like he used to. Yeah, it was funny, too. I can't remember who it was who tweeted this. But someone tweeted this, that since the uh, KZ interception in the uh, Thanksgiving game, remember he got, he picked, he, KZ picked off Drew Brees, fell to the ground, and it was ruled that he was tackled. But, in, but instead, he ran, ran it back for a pick six, but it got called back. Yeah. But Drew Brees tried to make a, a, a play on that, on, on KZ, and was blocked. His shoulder, his throwing uh, shoulder was blocked by Trufant. Trufant yeah. hit the shit out of him. Nice. And... The, the the guy on Twitter said that his shoulder has never been the like his deep balls haven't been the same since yeah. just his general Christmas around the ball. So maybe the Falcons did something to prevent at least for this year. <laughs> at least for yeah. this year, yeah. But he'll probably be back. But the Saints also they don't have a first round pick, they don't have a third round pick, and they don't have a fourth round. That pick is this huge. Year. That yeah. is huge. And they they don't and and Ingram's a free agent, and they just don't have a ton of offensive weapons outside of Michael Thomas. Well, Kamara, you gotta consider Kamara. Well, and Kamara, yeah, th- that's it. The rest of his undrafted free agents, old ass tight end Ben yeah. Watson, um, and Ted Ginn, who's you know really just a deep threat at this point in his career. He's not like a, a good all around receiver or anything like that. So I'm not saying it's going to be a cakewalk, but no. it looks more doable than this year was. Right. Um, some other Falcons news is that, and we 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 fucked up his name last week, so I apologize. Not Jake Flood, but Kyle Flood mm. was supposed to take over the clock management duties from Dan Quinn. Right after that happened, maybe like a few days or something, he decides to go to Alabama, University of Alabama instead. So now it seems like Dan Quinn is just going to take over the clock management duties again. They, 
Why don't they just hire someone else? I don't know. That seems. Are to they be, saying they're not going to? Or that is, that or seems to be. You? That seems to be the word around town. So I don't know if Dan Quinn's going to take it over himself again, but it's just a, I, I it's just like, a smelly situation. Why do you leave after you're just promoted, supposedly to a? Uh, I wouldn't say an upper tier coaching position, but obviously this is a huge, huge deal. Other, you know, I think this is a bigger deal than just being an offensive line assistant coach. You know, maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe he's a start guy. Maybe sees a better future for him at Alabama than here. I guess. I mean, I. But it just makes it's just it just looks bad. Let me give you this new job, and he's gone. It's like what the hell. So I don't know if Dan Quinn's going to replace him or not, or if he's going to go back and do it. But yeah, don't even speculate. Craig. But I nothing's out there. The yet. more I thought about it from last week, I think this is why I, I couldn't really formulate a good a good opinion on this last week. But to me, oh, you mean when you're concerned? Yeah, but I, it's it's just. Dan Quinn's a glorified coordinator if this is what he does. He does he cannot be a true head coach because he doesn't know how to manage the clock. Like he has no business doing it if he can't do it. That's a huge part of the head coach's job. He's not the only person that doesn't do it well. I'm just saying. Why can't we get someone in here who can be a complete head coach, understands both sides of the football well enough, and can manage timeouts? Jesus Christ. You need to go read this article that William McFadden just wrote about Dan Quinn being at the Pro Bowl and talking to uh some ex Seahawks players that were on his defense. Yeah. Maybe you'd appreciate Dan Quinn a little more. Basically, they just lit up and talked about how amazing of a coach he is. And he's a great coordinator. I think we've established that. Head coach, not so much. Coordinator, leader. Yeah. Like, the time guy. clock thing doesn't matter. Like, I don't understand why you're making that such a bigger deal than it is. It's the clock stuff and the ability to understand the offensive side of the football and be able to say, I can contribute to this and be able to have a say and what the offense does. That's not a head coach. I'm sure he has a say. You don't know the He clearly has no say if he let... You're going to... Are you going to go back to... Are of all the plays that have happened in the four years? No, you what can't... What about that play in San Francisco where he doesn't go for it on fourth You're, you're going to name like four plays. Losing. You're going to name... You can't Those just name plays four plays. Those plays football games. I mean, have you seen how good our offense is otherwise? Top five offense consistently? You think he has nothing to do with any of that, but those no. four dumbass plays, no. you're going to complete... I mean, you're, you're 2019 as well yourself. You're judging a man based off a few things versus the entire uh, spectrum here. Well, what, do you, what can a you really incidents. say that he does well other than be a rah-rah guy and call defense? And even his defenses aren't very good. Took us to the playoffs three out of four years he's been here. Two out of four years. Two out of four years he's been here. Uh Got Clearly us, can't make adjustments. Got us, got us to the Super Bowl. Has poor decisions on personnel. Has had top five offenses every year. We were not top five offenses. Top ten offenses every year. I don't know. He just he's just not a he's, players he's, he, love to play for him. He's not a game day management coach. And he has lost the brotherhood. I will still continue to say that the brotherhood is dead, absolutely dead. And offensive lineman doesn't help up Matt Ryan. This is a lot about team chemistry. Says a lot or having chemistry. shitty players on the. Are you, are you going back to seeing the offensive line not pick him up? Yeah, that's bullshit. That is, that's exactly the same thing that happened the year before Mike Smith was fired. There was a lack of connection between the quarterback and the offensive line. I mean, I, and the ability to choke. We choke under Dan Quinn all the fucking time. I'm sure I can go back and find a thousand instances of the offensive line going to help Matt Ryan up. Before and after the single incident that you spotted. I'm sure. I'm just saying that that looms large in my mind. Yeah, and I'm not going to let the users be poisoned by your negativity. Dan Quinn will never win us a Super Bowl. He will never win us a Super Bowl. Okay, Graham. Does that make you happy to say that? No, I'm just saying that I think he's the wrong guy the more I think about it. You don't know shit. He has no ability to coach on game day. No ability to coach. No on ability because we can't make adjustments. When have you ever seen the Falcons make an adjustment under Dan Quinn? Second, I'm, I'm, second, I'm, I'm, second I'm half of this year. I'm talking about all, in the game. Yeah, all, second half this year, we all, started to suck. All the defensive adjustments that we made? Oh, when we started calling blitzes after we were out of playoff contention? Great that's fucking job. Great job. That's that's fantastic. What does it say that all three coordinators are gone? That we had a shitty year? Yeah. And that he made the wrong decision. All three of those coordinators. What does it say that after we lose our offensive coordinator and bring us on a rookie who's never called a play in his life here and fucks the offense when our window was, was wide open at that point? Bad decision making. All right, Graham. So just continue to shit on him. You're just like the Matt Ryan haters on Twitter. I can like, point to Matt Ryan and enjoy say he's a top, being miserable he's a top watching 10 your team. 
And now you can't be there for the if, – if Dan Quinn wins the Super Bowl, I'm not letting you take any joy in it. I'll take joy in it. No, I'm still gonna, you're, you're not allowed to anymore. That's bullshit. That's you've your, given up on your coach. You're a fucking loser. You've completely given up on your You've given up on your coach. I've given up on the coach. I haven't given up on the team. You've given up on your coach. I, I have not given up on the team. And I, and I, I don't think he's, Dan Quinn's he's a right part, person. He's a part of the team. But I haven't given up on the team. I just don't think he's the right person it's for his the team. job. Then do something. Give me someone. Give me someone on the offensive line. Be like the Rams and go for it. Fuck the salary cap. Fuck everything. They got Sue. They got Cooks. They went for it and got players. Why the fuck can't we go do that? Why can't we go spend the money and say, let's grab our balls. We have a short window. Let's go for it. Season's still going on. They can't sign free agency yet, Graham. I'm just saying, the Rams... They got to go through the the draft. I know. I'm saying the Rams went for it this year, and it's paid off. Got them to the Super Bowl. But you also think they suck and don't have a chance against the Patriots. So, I just, so what's the point of spending all that money? I'm just saying, when you look at the personnel, um, this is where we need a the third coaches, person. the coaches, and the quarterback. I just look at that and because anything you say at this know. point, I'm going to be pissed off about. Anything you say, you're going to be pissed off about. I know exactly. That's why yeah. we need a moderator. Yeah, maybe so. Jesus, didn't even think we were going to talk Falcons. I'm just today. saying the Rams went for it. No, I understand. You can't. You don't. The need Falcons to, don't go for it. We puss out. You don't in the just need to repeat the same things we, over and over. We, 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 we get push, your point. We puss out in the off season. We, we, get we don't point, go right. for anybody. We decide. And you know the Eagles went for it too. They went to go trade for Jay Ajayi. What the fuck did we do? We signed Bruce Irvin. How'd that work out for him? They won the Super Bowl. Not because of Ajayi. No, but they went out and made moves for guys and said we got to improve our team in these specific areas and let's go for it. Let's. Fuck draft picks, fuck everything, let's go for it. We've made moves, they just haven't worked out. We haven't made aggressive enough moves to put us in a to true Super Bowl contention because for some reason, we like to think that losing Adrian Claiborne and Dontari Poe and putting Duke Riley's worthless ass out there is a great decision. No one says that was a great decision. But the, the, although that's what the although team po, says. Poe sucked in Carolina. So maybe that was a good decision. I'm just saying, it's like we lost a lot of beef on the defensive line. We put a loser guy out there at linebacker who's not ready, who's never going to be ready, clearly. And we don't... I will say this. Atlanta United, for as much as I don't really care about them as much as the other teams, at least they're going for it. At least they're doing everything they need to do to stay relevant and stay at the top of of their uh, respective league. These other three teams don't want to do that. And that kind of pisses me off. With maybe the exception of the Hawks are starting to figure that out. The Braves and the Falcons. <laughs> so now you got the Hawks on top of the... In terms of making personnel decisions right now, you've got to fucking believe it. you got maybe one day an MVP candidate and uh, John Collins. But that's lucking out. Like, you have to, like, that's a draft pick working out where all the times it had, like, for all the Sheldon Williams and... Yeah, but I'm just saying Schlink right now seems to have done a good job with what he's had to work with and is acquiring assets in uh, in order for us to come out this year with two top 10 draft picks in addition to the great draft classes he's already assembled. Yeah, but so much of that depends on a guy like John Collins actually working out. Like, I mean, Falcons had plenty of guys that turned into being busts, but you don't know they're going to be busts. No, you never know. But I'm just saying, it looks a hell of a lot better when they don't bust out. And the Falcons have made good draft picks no since Dan Quinn came here. Obviously, Deion Jones, great. Keanu Neal, great. Um, Calvin Ridley, even though we probably shouldn't have drafted a receiver. Looks pretty good. Um, Tevin Coleman. So, I don't know. I'm just upset. I'm just upset you're not a Falcons fan anymore, Graham. I think you're full of shit. Just don't think I'm a Falcons fan. You're just a Legions fan now? What, you you think I'm not a Falcons fan? I can't criticize anyone? You don't think anyone can be criticized. Talk about 2019. I, I think people can be criticized, but... Why, I, why I think, am I not saying... I, I think you've, you've, you've made your points about Quinn. Yeah. And I don't want to sit here and harp on the same thing that you still haven't been able to completely vocalize besides what? you just have a feeling and you don't think he's the guy. I've already said, poor game day manager. On a f- cannot make adjustments. Is out coached constantly and cannot call timeouts and likes to give the opposing team more time as he did in the Cowboys game this year. I just think you need more example, like more specifics on those. I'm going to go through every single fucking game this week. Good. I'm going to have a fucking list from my head to my toes to show you next week. Good, but yeah, you also have to show me how all of those were Quinn's decisions. He's the head coach. It all starts from the top. Okay. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find all the adjustments. Oh, yeah. You'll have, you have maybe five. You can, maybe you can count them on one hand. I'll find them all. Great. I'd love to see them. All right, Adam. Let's move on to uh, hopefully a happier discussion.
Careful where you go. Since uh, we got a little emotional there. Apparently, you cannot support the Falcons anymore because I criticized them. Um, yes. Let's go to the Braves. Resigning Nick Markakis. Yeah. Was it a one-year, $6 million deal? Four. $4 million deal. Yes. A $6 million option for 2020, something like that? Yeah. Um, and he was making average $11 million per year over so you the past saved, four years. So you saved $5 million there. Um, $7 million in my book. From four to eleven, I keep thinking it's six for some reason. I don't know why I keep thinking. No. All right, whatever. I keep thinking it's six. All right, four million. Save seven million dollars. Bring back a guy who had a great first half. Obviously, petered off in the second half. You can. I'm not even going to have a conversation about Gold Gloves, Silver Sluggers. Those are subjective awards, <coughs> and they don't really speak to the true value of a player. So I'm not even going to entertain that. Um. But. Could have done worse. And I think considering all the free agent outfielders out there, like A.J. Pollock, I know he just signed a four-year deal with the Dodgers today for $55 million, but he's an injury case, like yeah. big time. Or the, This is not just with Josh Donaldson, like how some people are like, oh, Josh Donaldson just keeps breaking down. Over A.J. Pollock's entire career, he's broken down. So I'm glad we didn't go sign him. So here's where I'm at with Mark Akis. So, yes, he did wear down big time, but he played. Uh, it was kind of that old-school mentality, I'm going to play every game. Right. We're not bringing him back to be 162 game guy this year. No, more like more like 120, 125 maybe. And then we've got Camargo. I think they're going to try it on left this year, along with Culberson. Um, I don't want Culberson playing every day. Not every day, but a platoon guy. I mean, every once in a while you put him in there. You're not a Culberson guy now. Oh, I love Culberson. I just don't want him to like. I don't know what role you're foreseeing him in left maybe. field. Move Acuna to right. Not opposed to that. He played a shit ton of left field when Acuna was out. What is where does where does uh, okay, let's first let's talk about our overall feelings on the deal. Um, Do you feel so? No, like you want. Of course, you want that big splash, right? Um, but I also I don't want them making a BJ Upton type move, right? Just to make a move and try to keep up with these guys. Yeah, it's not out there. You don't do that. This yeah. is a smart play and. We should still have money to spend. We have to have money to spend because we're like twenty or thirty million dollars under our payroll from last year. So, so something's gonna happen. Something's gotta happen that moves the meter again. Because if you're telling me this is your I, okay, so I will not be upset if we make a move for a closer and or a starter that is worth a damn. I will be upset if this is all we do for the rest of the off season. If this was like our final move, no, that, then that is some bullshit. Because you have so much more money to work with that you've got to be able to pull a deal off or sign a quality free agent in order to help the baseball team, particularly from the pitching staff standpoint. If you cannot do that at this point, then I'm not going to say, like, I lose all faith so in Anthopolis. not a Braves fan either. Jesus Christ. I mean, what would you say? Would you say, would you criticize that, Mr. PC, DC liberal positive guy? <laughs> uh would I criticize our payroll being $20 million lower than it was at the beginning of last year? It, yeah. Yes, I would. Particularly with all the revenue that the battery brought in. Are you going to tell me all the drinks I got in the battery and my $180 yeah, all, all Aussie that, Albies jersey doesn't was, contribute to us getting better nothing. players? Yeah. No, that that would be horseshit. Yeah. Okay, thank um, you. Then you're not a Braves fan anymore either. But I'm not... You, you're just already mad about it. I don't, I don't think you can be mad about it yet. It's uh, for for Christ's sake, the best two free agents. I'm not mad about the it. Best, I'm saying the best two if. free agents still aren't even signed. I know. I'm like saying it, it's a weird market. Things are is. different than they. I'm used saying to be. if. I'm saying if, and because okay. I'm if saying if, if, it's it's it's, if it's, it's it's making me get upset because I start thinking about the reality that that could happen. And I'm not saying it will. I'm not also going to start shoveling shit onto Anthopolis before the off season's over. We all saw two two or three days before the baseball season started and what was it 2014 or 2015 2014 no 2015 where we traded Craig Kimbrell yeah shit can happen that's major right Late. before the start of the yeah. season so I am not ready to call bullshit on it but if nothing else is done I will that's all I'm saying at least we finally know who's gonna be playing right field and he's not gonna be hitting cleanup this year I don't think right what and are your thoughts on this that conversation has been going around a lot uh, the recently. proposed lineup of Acuna at leadoff or cleanup I would rather him be at a, a leadoff because I want my best player getting as many at-bats as humanly possible. And he has the ability to set the, the table in a much more dramatic way 
than Ender Inciarte ever will, even if Ender returns to hitting 200 uh, hits again. You know, I'm not saying that's an impossibility. But with Acuna, you got a guy who can hit for power, he can hit for average, who's a better base runner, who can swipe bags uh, at, a, at a high level, who can do everything. And I want that guy getting as many at-bats as possible. I Mathematically, agree. that's what you got to do. I agree. Do. So why can't a lineup I haven't seen thrown out there is Acuna, Ozzy, mm-hmm. Freeman, Donaldson fourth. I like that. I have no issue with if, that. If Ozzy... If Ozzy's actually on. ...makes adjustments, which I think he's going to make adjustments. Yeah, I heard... I think he w- was interviewed recently, and he was saying, yeah, I just sort of got into some bad habits, and... Uh, he got a little cocky. Yeah, and that he just wore down. Yeah. I think now he'll understand the grind of a baseball season, and that he also mentioned that he didn't make adjustments to the plate. I think he's hopefully spent his offseason wisely, and will continue to spend the offseason wisely in terms of studying film... Um, changing his approach at the plate, not just going after the first pitch fastball all the time or thinking the first pitch is always going to be a fastball, which is what he did. And that's why he was able to ambush so many of these pitchers um, early on in the season because they were giving him a lot of early count fastballs over the middle of the plate, and he wasn't taken. He was aggressive as hell. So I think there might be some growing pains season two for Ozzy, but I also think we're going to see hopefully a more rounded player if he uh, makes the adjustments necessary. And we know he's very talented. Um, so I think... I'm not opposed to that. If Ozzy's on his shit, yeah. two hole, I'm not. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy enough with our off where our offense is at right now in terms of starters and the bench. The bench is a lot deeper this I year. I think it's a deeper team. I will say I don't think we're as good at catcher. I think Flowers and McCann together are not as good as Flowers and Suzuki. Um, I think we're better at third base in terms of offense if John Donaldson's at his MVP caliber level or even a little bit below that. Yeah, and I don't really like how Snicker seems to be fixated on NCRT leading off. I don't get it. I really don't. He's a prototypical old-school baseball leadoff hitter. Your center fielder, this fast guy, has the ability to steal bases, but it's like, why are we so obsessed with this? Why do we want Acuna not gain as many at-bats as possible where he can change the game more times by hitting first? I think just because we didn't get much production out of our cleanup guy, which is still an important position. Right, which makes sense. It's just like we got, I mean, Donaldson, you want to talk about your prototypical cleanup guy. Yeah. Here's your boy. That's why why I'm saying that. He kind of makes more sense at four than two to me. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we've seen the number two hole over the years start to, you know, more powerful guys start to hit there, which I think makes sense. But, and I think that would make sense for this team if we had more pieces that we would feel comfortable hitting in the heart of the order. But to me, especially if if uh, Camargo's not playing every day, I want Donaldson to be the one to protect Freddie Freeman. And if Ozzy's hitting second, then Ozzy's going to see a lot more fastballs than he would be if right. he gets lower in the order, which, which plays to Ozzy's strength. So I think I like your idea of, of Ozzy hitting second if, oh. he, if his shit's going. So, Thanks, yeah, bro. Yeah. yeah, this yeah. is a little a bit of a redemption We're, we're, we're still friends? Yeah. Okay. Um... Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. I'm just ready for baseball, man. Yeah, me too. Especially after like how bad the Falcon season was. It's been a rough few months. Yeah, it's been nice with the Hawks, especially um, starting to really pique my interest in terms of how they're playing together. And that's actually one thing I want to I want to talk about with this team, with the Haw- this Hawks team in particular. Unless you have anything with the with the Braves. No, but yeah. I, I do have a good tidbit. Let, let me start with this before you get into the Hawks going on the Hawks. Okay, so. Was that last week that we had briefly mentioned? Um, it was this classic conversation we always have about whether or not we should want this team to be winning or losing. Yeah. And I had mentioned that I I know this is the year that the draft rules are different. Right. But I didn't have any details. Insights. Right, yeah. So here's a great stat for people out there. The team with the worst record in the NBA – will have a 14% chance to get the number one pick. Mm-hmm. The team with the fifth worst record, which is us right now, will have a 10.5% chance. So that's really not a huge difference. Yeah, it used to be like 25%, I believe. Would you like to credit that report? That was thanks to Brad Rowland, the Hawks a Peachtree Hoops guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean that that's why it's so great to see this team 
learning to win with these young guys now. Yeah. Because we're still going to have a chance to get a damn right. good player. And as we saw on the game that we went to, we went to the Martin Luther King game, some amazing seats. Shout out to uh, user Bridget for hooking us up with damn near courtside seats to the Hawks game, club level access. It was ridiculous. We felt entirely out of place. Yeah, we were not in our element. No, but it was it was very fair. Um, those were awesome seats. I mean, watching an NBA game at that, that level was incredible. But as we saw in that game... This team is not complete. They're going to have bad days, and they got blown out by a pretty shitty Magic team. Yeah, it was very surprising with the way they've been playing recently. And they came out hot, too. Yeah, they started good. And then, you know, we we see this stretch, though, this team uh, a lot this year where the ball movement isn't as crisp. Guys are forcing shots, settling for shots, and they should be trying to find the open man. And it really renders the effectiveness of the team entirely when, you know, Trey Young's just going down there and jacking up a shot. I know Ben forced some shots. It was just like nobody, they didn't feel comfortable. And it's not like the Magic are some world-beater team. I mean, they they made the the, the fifth best or whatever it is, or are, maybe or the Thunder, the best defense at the time in yeah. the NBA. They made the best defense at the time in the NBA look like a bunch of chumps, dropped 140-plus points on them, and then against the Magic, barely break 100. So it's like this team still has a lot to learn. But I do like the way they play together. When they're on, they're a really fun bunch to watch. Uh, and we saw that last night when they just whipped up on the Bulls. Uh, John Collins especially was outstanding, 35 points for a career high, uh, 14 of 16 from the field. I mean, the thing is, it's like, and that, that was another thing of the, the Thunder game. There's one point he was like 14 of 14 from the field. He was yeah. like, he, was, he could not miss. It's crazy. He is <clears throat> takes very high percentage shots, a lot of his shots around the rim, but he also works in the uh, the outside shot effectively, but doesn't overdo it like a lot of bigger guys like to do these days. He's shooting 37% from three. And days. that's very nice. Yeah. That's very nice. And it shows that he's being smart with his shot selection. So I think I'm really liking the way they're playing together. And I think um, – I know there was a mock draft recently released um, – that had us SB Nation. SB Nation did it. Yeah, I think we had us picking fifth and ninth or whatever. I don't, I don't really look in this mock draft shit. It's all speculation. And to be speculating at this point, whatever. I'm but not, about where we could be picking is kind of cool to look at because yeah. it's like, oh, that. I mean, that's the Luka Doncic pick. Is that nine? No, number nine, yeah. So you got to wonder if maybe you can, I mean, obviously getting way ahead, but maybe you can pair the five and nine together. To get the one? To get the one or two. I would do that. Shit I don't know if someone's given up Zion Williams, but maybe... Zion Williamson, but maybe if it's like a team that needs more than just one more piece, yeah, they would. They'd be like, "Oh, we can get two top ten picks. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's good for them." Right. Whereas us, I think a guy like Zion, like I said, let's ride. Yeah, yeah. Are you are you starting to agree with that sentiment now? What that Zion is the way that if we get Zion, this team's ready to win next year. Define ready to win. Um, that, that, that's a wide spectrum you can cover there. Back in the four or five seed, maybe scare some teams in the playoffs. I would say maybe a touch below that. I'd say maybe that's your ceiling and the floor is like the seven or eight seed. But yeah. I think you're done arguably being a uh, – I'd say the floor is probably or may, still – Or maybe you're looking to add veterans at that point. Yeah, but I'd say your floor is probably <laughs> – a little below the playoff bracket, but maybe your ceiling's like the four or five seed. Yeah. So I think maybe you're out of the, we have to just tank like a bunch of maniacs, but I don't, but yeah, I, I think that's possible. I, I'm not as optimistic as you are just cause I don't know what Williamson's going to do at the pro level, but I will say this, you pair, you pair him with, uh, with John Collins, with a more seasoned, uh, Trey Young in a more seasoned Kevin Herter. Looks pretty good to me. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to go out and win a championship, but this team will start to uh, we'll start to get noticed a little more, and I think that's going to attract a free agent to want to come We're going to be on here. national TV a lot more, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're going to attract free agents to want to come here because Zion will be here for a long time. Collins is here. And um, and the one thing I love to say this, too, about about Trey, even though he had a bad night shooting the ball last night, he still dished out, I think, 12 assists. 
Yeah, but his pass... And had seven rebounds. His passes are just insane. Yeah. He has just such great court vision. Yeah. And so I, even when he's not scoring a lot, or sh- I think he only shot 1 of 12 from the field, even when he's not scoring a lot, he's still affecting the game in a positive way, which I think is very important for a rookie of his stature. It's very easy when you're having an off-shooting night, I think, to sort of go into a hole and not and let it affect other parts of your game. I haven't really seen that as much from Trey. It's like, even when he has a bad off-shooting night, he's still contributing. It certainly makes me appreciate the point guard position a lot more watching him play mm. versus some like Jeff Teague or Dennis Schroeder that were mainly score first yeah. point guards like seeing Trey Young who has all the ability to score right but seems more focused on finding his teammates it's like I mean I'm, I'm not comparing to John Stockton but that's kind right. of like how John Stockton yeah. was just piling up assists and I definitely appreciate that a lot right. more. When Trey tries to take too many shots is when he becomes ineffective. I think when he does try to be a be a uh, shoot-first guard, that's when that happens. But when you're exactly right. When he is in that dis- distribution mode, he, he's a pretty – he can be a very lethal player. Um, and he makes everyone better around him. I think I don't think it's any sort of uh, mistake that John Collins is really breaking out this year. I think a lot of that has to do with Trey Young's um, – you know them hooking up. So many of their, his points comes off pick and rolls and Trey throwing balls over the head of other defenders and him going out there and catching it. I mean, we didn't have a point guard that could really do that last year. You know, we had Schroeder. Wasn't very good. And didn't give a shit. And didn't give a shit at that point. And uh, so I think, not to take anything away from John, because I think he's obviously made incredible strides in his individual game, but I think being paired up with a, with a talent like, like Trey Young is helping both of their games really blossom, and I think that's really nice to see, and it says a lot about the scouting, I think, of, of Travis Schlink and recognizing what player is going to go really well with this guy that is uh, you know, this burgeoning star in, in John Collins. I think he's, he's assembling a team, and it's going to take a minute for it to develop, but damn, I haven't been this excited about the Hawks since that, uh, that epic 2014-2015 uh, team. So you don't think it's going to take us seven more years, Graham? The more I watch this team, no. Yeah, okay. But I'm also not going to... I'm not willing to, like... If someone put a gun to my head and said, when are the Hawks going to be, like, real playoff contenders, I would say I need two to two more years. Um, but that's just my opinion. I hope I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I think we're a hell of a lot closer than I thought at the advent of the season. So, I did not think we would that a lot of these players would look as good as they are. And I think especially Herter has really... Hit all his injuries, you know, the Baysmore and Prince and whatnot, have really helped him come out of his shell. And, like, he's inspired a lot of confidence. Spellman going down the D-League, losing the weight, coming back, he's inspired a lot of confidence. Um, Deadman looks good. I mean, he's some good players we got. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the cool thing about that is everybody you just named are not even the biggest names that are likely to get traded. No. Like, we don't need Baysmore to win. No. We don't need – I mean – Jeremy, Jeremy and Lynn might be helpful to win, but... If you can get someone to overpay for him, great. If not, I don't mind keeping him around another year. Yeah, and I think we're seeing just how valuable Vince Carter is to these young guys as well. I love watching Vince. Th- that could be a big play. difference. How wonderful was it seeing him juke Dennis Schroeder, 41-year-old Vince Carter, yeah. getting around this young young gun who's, who just clearly his head's not in the game. Yeah. It's great. And I think the more you can keep... I think you got to keep Vince Young. I'm sorry, Vince Carter around. I don't think you can trade him for anything. Yeah, I don't think he's got I don't think much he's value in the right. league besides the role he's playing for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good things for the Hawks overall. Positive things. Yeah. Glad to see you're still a Hawks fan, Graham. Jesus. Well, look, we'll move on to Atlanta United then. Um, as I said earlier in the show, I think they're the only team that really is going for it. Other than maybe the Hawks will, but the jury's still out. But they're the only team that's going for it, that's in a position to win, that is actually wants to win, seemingly, doing everything they can to win. They have just signed today Gonzalo Pitti Martinez, uh, the South American Player of the Year in the South American League. Supposed to be an absolute beast. Um, Apparently fielded offers from European leagues and things like that and decided to come to Atlanta United. Um, supposed to be an absolute monster. And apparently this is a guy who's going to step in for Almiron if Almiron leaves, which it seems more than likely that it will. The good news is that if he leaves, we've got this pity guy, and Atlanta United is getting a shit ton of money for Almiron's services overseas. Did we, 
do we ever met? Probably not because we don't too often talk about the United. Do we mention Martinez's five year deal? We have not. We also signed a coach. <laughs> yeah, we signed a coach, and the, that's supposed to be really good. Whose name escapes me? Tabor. Tabor. Tabir. Tabir, something like that. But we also, <laughs> <laughs> but the, also the Joseph Martinez signing. Yes. Resigning the player at the top of his game. Sorry. Resigning the MVP of the league at the top of his game for five years and also getting this pity guy and bringing in supposedly a quality head coach to replace Tata. Says everything I need to know about Darren Eels. He's going for it. He's not resting on his laurels. They already won the fucking championship. They're going to get another one next year probably because of these moves. What, what, are, what are our other teams doing? Uh, how the hell should I know? I'm just saying. Oh. It's like the like the things that Atlanta sports fans bitch about all the time is that we don't ever, it seems like we're cheap, we don't go for it, or we make the wrong decision when we do go for it. These seem like good moves that are putting this team in a position to be successful for a long time. And it's just funny how this supposed minor league soccer team is showing the rest of the city how to do business. In fairness, he didn't know this Gonzalo guy until about three minutes ago. I didn't. It is, I mean, it is my opinion, but at the same time, it's like when you hear about these moves on paper, and obviously Martinez, we know what he can do. It just seems like this team is serious about remaining contenders for the MLS Cup year in and year out, whereas it seems like our other teams just sort of middle along and stay satisfied and believe in their personnel, and instead they should be going for it. And I'm not saying don't believe in your personnel, but when you have gaps, you got to fill those gaps and can't just let them continue to be gaps. How would you feel about the United if you found out that Arthur was taking money from the Falcons that could be spent on offensive it linemen? It doesn't work like that, though, because the NFL is a salary cap. I don't think there is a salary cap for, for, for MLS. Then you can sort of do whatever the hell you want. Well, that makes sense why it works having Arthur there then. Right. Man is loaded. I'm not really sure how, how the salary arrangement works, but I'm just saying, like, NFL is a little different. But I still feel like we could spend more money and say, screw the salary cap like the Rams did this year. Go out and get a Sue. Go so, out and do so crazy things. So we could things. take that Gonzalo money and spend it on top free agent. Maybe. I mean, there's, you still have to adhere to some rules of the salary cap. You can't overblow it to the point where, I mean, if that was the case, every NFL owner who's a billionaire would be spending close to a billion dollars on fucking players. But maybe you're right. I don't know what point I'm trying to make. I don't know. I know what you're trying to say is that you think, what would you say if like this money could have been used for something for the Falcons? Always got to bring it back to the Falcons. That's fair. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I that would be frustrating, but I don't think I don't think they co- coalesce. I don't think they, they coincide with each other. I think the bigger issue is it had taken us months to get into our prime of talking shop on the United, which was horrible. We did we did decent after the United after the championship. Yeah, I, I'd say adequate. Yeah, maybe even before the championship. So for off-season stuff, I'm definitely not prepared. Oh, yeah. For no, we're not ready for this. But I felt like we need to mention it because Atlanta United seems to be making big moves. We're not mentioning it, but they're showing the city that they're trying to win. You know what we forgot to mention about Nick Barkakis? Oh, what's that? <laughs> uh, did you hear the thing about he had offers from other teams for more years and more money? Yeah, I did hear about that. And he chose the Braves because that's where his family wanted to be and that's where he wanted to be. That's cool. And I also like that he wasn't saying... You know, he, he admitted, yeah, I could have made more money, but I get paid a shit ton of money to play a kid's game. Yeah. Which was nice to hear. Yeah. Um, I need more that, of that. Yeah, that he respects that he's making a bitch load of money, more than 99% of the population in the world. And um, he's okay with it because he plays a game he loves, lives in this area he loves, loves the clubhouse. Cool. And like I said, I mean, Marcakis will probably provide you another solid season. It'll probably be more, it'll probably be in between, I imagine. The uh, the season he had last year and the season the seasons he had before us maybe he also drops off a mountain I don't know I think he's too solid a guy to do that but this could be a lot worse I would be upset honestly if we had made the splash and we even signed AJ Pollock because one um, Yandri well, has that's good to hear two you gotta give up a draft pick if you sign him because he's a free agent so yeah. so the uh, Diamondbacks get get a draft pick from you it's just not worth it no. And the only other big splashy guy you could go get is Bryce Harper. And why, yeah, you'd like to go get Bryce Harper to play corner outfield. What he wants is too crazy, and for too long of a time period. And I think it speaks a lot to Major League Baseball. That it's not just 
the teams with maybe a, a not as big of a, a money to work with like we do. Like we don't have like a, a, that huge TV deal that the Phillies do or something. But that the two biggest free agents are not signed yet. I mean, it says a lot about People baseball. Aren't in doing that crap anymore. Yeah, who's going to give a player ten years for three hundred million dollars, even when they're at the top of their game? There needed to be a change. It couldn't just keep going up for the rest of time. Right. So, I mean, I'm glad that maybe this will send a message that hey, maybe we shouldn't do these bonkers deals, and maybe agents will come off their high horses about it because I think it is hurting the game because people are afraid to spend money. I don't think it's just Anthopolis. I mean, you look around the league, someone should assign these guys at this point. It's January for Christ's sake. We're like. We're almost, I think, what are we, like, two or three weeks away from uh, pitching catchers yeah. reporting? So, I mean, and the and Machado and Harper are not signed yet. It's crazy. Yeah, we already got our um, plane tickets down to Orlando and everything. Yeah. Oh, don't forget about our Radio Row show next week, Adam. Oh, yeah, Monday. Monday They uh, they moved it to Monday primetime. You heard that, right? Yeah. At uh, State Farm Arena. Yeah, that, that'll be great. Yeah, that'll be fun. We had a good uh, Super Bowl show last year. We'll see what we uh, what we do this year. The hell can we talk about with those two teams, though? I don't know. You can always not... bring ex-intern Jared on and talk about the Patriots. Mm. That was a cluster of a show. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> this was kind of a cluster of a show, too, but... Yeah. Had yeah. a good time. That's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah. Um, I think that wraps up this week's uh, episode of Hatred and Love with Atlanta Zone. Yeah, that was... Um, I was worried about our relationship there, Graham. I was honestly close to walking out of the door. Oh, wow. Um, but I thank you for sticking it out for the good of the show. <laughs> we survived it. Is this the last episode of Atlanta Zone? I think we'll be back. Might be the last episode of season two, though. Oh, this is a good season finale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of drama. Yeah. Always got to end with a bang. All right. Until next time, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Thank you for listening. Hospitality. Hospitality.